Welcome to TechLink in Conversation. This episode is part of our vulnerability series. My name's Hannah Coffey and I am the Vulnerability and Client Assistance Manager at Technical Connection. During our conversations throughout the series, myself and Jan Levy from Three Hands will be speaking with a number of organisations, charities and importantly lived experts across a range of vulnerabilities. We hope through our episodes to bring life to a range of vulnerable circumstances, to raise awareness of the signs and the symptoms that financial planners and support teams may wish to consider so that you have the best conversations with your clients to ensure the greatest outcomes. This particular podcast focuses on digital capability. Yeah, over to you. Thank you very much, Hannah. Um, Isn't it a sign of where the world is going that we are talking about vulnerability and digital capability? Um, uh, On which note, we're really delighted to have our two guests in the room for this podcast, uh, both from Citizens Online. And you can tell us all about Citizens Online in a moment. But uh, we've got Helen Dobson, who heads up the team at Citizens Online as Managing Director. And we've got Jackie, Jackie Lees, who's a digital champion. And actually, Jackie, you are going to be the voice of the lived expert today, aren't you? We've I got, am, yes. Yeah, excellent. And you're going, you're going to represent a number of people you've been, real people that you've been helping yes, um, with digital matters. That's great, because normally we have a lived expert in the room. But in this topic, there are so many... Uh, barriers, frankly, that people face that we thought would be great if you can represent a number of people um, for us. So that's that's what we're both we're grateful to you both for being here and we're going to have a good a good conversation. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit, Helen, about your work at Citizens Online. Yes, certainly. So we're a digital inclusion and skills charity. The charity was established in the year 2000 and we've always focused on digital inclusion. Um, we help people to get online in a number of ways. Firstly, we help individuals themselves um, with digital skills. We run a free phone UK national helpline for anybody, any adult who needs help with digital skills. We also um, train digital champions to support people and where we have funding, we can offer people uh, digital equipment and data. How we also work is we work with organisations to help to embed digital inclusion within to their organisation and it really should sit as part of any digital transformation programme. There's absolutely no point in you know, designing and building these wonderful uh, digital products if people can't use them. So you must be thinking about inclusion right from the start. So as I said, we do a lot of work with organisations as well as individuals themselves. Great. Great. Thank you very much. Um, and it does seem like the world is going digital. Mm-hmm. And it's a case of, you know, get on board or get left behind. That's what it feels like sometimes, right? But there are some people, I've got quite a lot of people really, who are being left behind. Jackie, I know you've got a few um, a few examples to tell us about, a few different few different uh-huh. people that you 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 support personally so so who are you going to tell us about Charles is a very educated man who um used to be a freelance journalist for many years traveling the globe um however that was the days before the internet um now he's in his 80s and um he wants to write his memoirs okay. um but he recognizes that he needs digital skills to do this um he also wants to connect with um, his friends and family via email and search some of the information online of the places that he's been yeah. with, his, with his career. Yeah. 
Um, we're supporting Charles at the, I'm as part of my digital champion yeah. job remotely. Um, so I help him um, with lessons over the phone or via Zoom. Um, unfortunately, his finances aren't what they used to be. So someone kindly um, gave him a laptop and Citizens Online have gifted him a MiFi so that we can connect with him on the online. So, so what's holding him back from what are, his, what are Charles's challenges when it comes to working and, and engaging digitally? So obviously Charles is, is 83 and um, his memory is starting to fail him now. Um, he has got um, poor hearing so and, and then financial um, problems as well. So those are the barriers for Charles. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and, those, and, and are those barriers quite typical or do you see different barriers for different People. I mean, sometimes it's kind of attitude, isn't it? Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. Uh, whether people really want to embrace it or not, I guess. And do you have people... Yeah, see, there are different people. Yeah. Uh, d- different people have got different barriers, yes. Um, so who, who else have you been supporting and what are their barriers? Um, well, there's a, there's a lady called Pat and a um, very lovely lady, very chatty. Yeah. Um, and she was very grateful for the help that, that we give her. Um but one of, one of her issues is trust okay. and being safe online. So Pat will send emails to friends um, and her ex-boss um, and she will go on Facebook. But at the moment, she will not go online for shopping or banking. Um, she, she feels very intimidated by that, mm. especially when you see news stories on the TV, which she commented on. Um, but hopefully, with our support, she'll be able to get through those barriers and, and, and by learning online safety um, with us. Yeah, trust is a big issue amongst... I mean, we've, I've done some projects in the past with banks and older people, and the one barrier seems to be trust. I just don't believe yes. that transactions are safe online. Actually, transactions on mobile phones are even safer than they are on the internet mm. but the trust element just isn't there and I was looking at some stats around scams mm. and this is not all about um, digital capability but um, the truth is that investment fraud is right up there as mm-hmm. one of the biggest scams it's number five on the list of um, scams and fraud uh, from April 2020 to March 2021 where there were 21,000 reports of investment fraud. This is a witch analysis. Um, People losing, on average, £25,000 a go. Um, And so it's no wonder that... Okay, that's not banking, that's investing. But it's no wonder that trust is an issue, right? That's right. And bad news sells. So these are the kind of stories that people tend to hear. And... What, what isn't sort of shouted about enough is the benefits that people can have from being online. Um, you know, especially during the recent pandemic, the amount of people that we've heard say, you know, how, what an absolute lifeline, you know, being able to video call people has been, or being able to order their online shopping, um, you know, being able to connect with people on local WhatsApp groups so they didn't feel isolated. Um, but those are not the stories that tend to be in the press, are they? It is always yeah. those bad news ones, yeah. Um, sadly. Yeah. And we talk about digital 
capability to get you those benefits. But I've also heard this term digital confidence. Mm. Um, and some people just lack yes. confidence, I, I, I guess, yes. Jackie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another lady, her name is Maria. Um, and she. The, the things that she says is, I loathe them, absolutely hate them. Computers, computers, devices. Okay. Not, okay. No, not, <laughs> not, children not people. Or, you know, no, no, no. Okay. All right, just want to get that clear. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a mistake you can make, she, I'll make it, um, she says, and I can delete anything. And she says she can save things, but then she can't find them again. Yeah. So, um, and this all stems from when she was at university many years ago. Uh-huh. Um, she just couldn't get the hand, hang, you know, the hang of the computers. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so that's kind of stuck with it. And then in her first job, I think it, she it, she felt the same in that in that career. Um, but we've come a long way since then. And um, but she has come, got got a device and started to use it. And now she's um, using it to go and do exercise, you know, exercises online and to communicate with her church, do um, Zoom meetings yeah, with the church oh, and good. that. She's got. A, a, a big faith so um, yeah so, so you've helped her a lot Do, not me personally but but didn't you tell no, this probably doesn't sound like her but didn't you tell me somebody was just afraid they'd break the computer or, or mm. something like that yes, wasn't it? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was another lady but I think because she'd always been told that she was stupid right um, as a child and growing up and, and that's another thing that stuck with her mm. so you've got these negative um, ish things that are there in the background all the time that make people lack the confidence to mm. become digital yeah. it's, it's a good point and we do find that that if people have had a really negative experience with school or formal yeah. education at some point then they're very, very unlikely to be, you know, signing up to some six-week IT course down at the library, which is why we've got, um, you know, the one-to-one sort of personalised support that we try to offer with our digital champions like Jackie. It's really a key to try and find something that is it will be interest to that person it's quite an individual thing we think learning digital skills um and like i said part of it can be that people have had a very negative experience at school yes but we're talking about people who have otherwise had perfectly successful careers done well Mm -hmm. achieved in all sorts Mm -hmm. of other areas but there's a barrier to going online so we have barclays doing their digital eagles for example which highlights the need you've got your own digital champions program and and this is not just for people who who lack confidence and capability elsewhere. This is this is these could be people who who are perfectly adept to everything else, but just have a block when That's it comes right. to. That's right, and it's it's not um, it's not a, a, a binary issue as well. It's like you know if you're at work and you know you're using computers every day, then you can be quite confident and all fair with that. But if, you know yeah. if you get made redundant or you you've been out of work for a while, you can lose your confidence and forget how to do things. Yeah. We also find with a lot of people. Um, They can be quite confident in some areas of being online, but then there's other things that they are less confident in doing, and it's really trying to support Mm. them to to have that, um, you know, that lifelong learning, because that's the thing with technology as well. It doesn't stand still, so it's about being confident to be okay with what you don't know and as long, you know, try and encourage people to pick up more more knowledge and and try new things. 
So on that note, let's look at the sorts of things that clients of financial advisors might be asked or encouraged uh, to do online. So it's things like uh, carrying out online, online card payments to make investments. We've already talked about trust, mm-hmm. issues around trust with that. Um, using an online wealth account to access their investment information, which is obviously very different to picking up the phone to somebody you know and trust. Um, and just to, uh, admin things like being sent diary invitations by, by email um, or other information by email. And maybe meetings, some meetings have, have gone, on to the, in, gone on to Zoom, etc. in mm-hmm. the last year and a half. These are the sorts of things typically, Hannah, I guess, are happening in the digital world. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think, you know, financial advisors um, and, and the industry was moving towards this anyway. But of course, it was very much based on the client's ability and, and comfort in doing that. And I think probably, you know, the, the pandemic in the last two years has pushed this forward quite a lot. Now, actually, making payments online, as you kind of mentioned earlier, is often safer. But you can see why some individuals aren't comfortable doing that. And so it's often quite a challenge with financial advisors and often more elderly clients asking them to kind of move from checks into paying this way. That's right. Yes. It's, it's a huge uh, sea change for a lot of people. Um, and as we, we said before, um, you know, to get people comfortable with doing things online and get them um, used to navigating a device, a tablet, a laptop, a phone, it's about practice. And the key really is trying to get something that is of personal interest to that person and if you're not a regular user of digital you know the digital world then you won't know that um you could have an app to be looking out um in venice in st mark square you wouldn't know that you could have an app on your phone to take a picture of a plant and you'd know what plant it was in your garden you wouldn't know that you can do online quizzes with your friends or you can do the crossword online or you know you can watch um you know, Charlton Athletic playing football from the 60s or whatever it is, you know. I love that example. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing, and it's about trying to find, give people a good reason. And we we work with a lot of clients, like local authorities, for example, who are desperate for people to do more online because of the cost savings. And it's, you know, unfortunately, paying your council tax online or managing your investments, let's say, isn't likely to be the first thing that people Mm. are going to do. So it's about trying to find their interests and then building from there yeah if you've got a real reason and a real incentive that based on something you're you're, you're fascinated by yeah. i guess that yeah that makes sense that's a great starting point yeah so so for an old lady an older lady the other day it was uh, she she came to one of our sessions and uh she said i'm only here because john's here that was her friend I, I you don't need to talk to me i don't need to talk to me because i'm not interested in going online and within half an hour, she was asking Google Assistant how old Barry Manilow was and uh, sending send full emails. And, you know, she said, well, I think I'll come ne- back next week, actually. I've had a really good time. So it's just try, trying to find something yeah. that's interesting and maybe even a little bit fun. Yeah, first. might be Neil Diamond next week. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I think either you were telling me or I found out in advance of this that something like 11 million adults in the UK are classed as narrow users. That's right. And the the classic is someone who, like, they can do WhatsApp quite well, uh, Facebook, um, but they wouldn't dream of transacting online. Like I say, that would be way out of their comfort zone, yeah. And something like 4 million adults have either never used the internet or 
last used it over three months ago, mm-hmm. which is um, which is also a lot of people. So, um, and the, the more worrying one is that it's roughly one in five who don't have what is classed as the essential digital skills for yeah. life, and this is a government recognised framework. And those essential digital skills for life are quite basic things, such as being able to transact online, being able to communicate online, uh, being able to store information online, and being able to find the answer to problems online. Mm. And then underpinning all of those skills is the most important one, really, which is how to be safe and secure uh, online. And, And that's, like I say, about one in five adults don't have all of those five basic skills and if you don't have them you there's a real risk you're going to be left behind that's right yeah 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 Yeah. Mm. um we in terms of barriers the issue of cognitive impairment i mean it's just something we keep coming back to in different podcasts and different topics we we've had our we've we've recorded a podcast on on cognitive impairment and dementia we talked about it in our podcast on caring i'm sure it's come up elsewhere but i'm, I'm going to talk about my mum again <laughs> I hope that's all right um you know here's somebody who absolutely embraced digital banking in her 60s and 70s sort of until about sort of mid 70s and then when some mild cognitive impairment came in she was just less comfortable with it and by the time she was 80 absolutely no more had to be a visit to the branch i'm guessing that's not unusual yeah absolutely and um it's not just cognitive as well obviously people with um motor skills that are are less um obviously find it difficult to do things with technology or can do um and obviously people with visual impairments and um what technology is great at though is a lot of um different adaptations that people can use to to help with their access we call them accessibility needs but again it's you know you don't know what you don't know you generally need somebody to point that out and to try and help you with that a little bit as well yeah so we understand that if you find something that somebody's really interested in yes uh that helps to get them going even if it's Charlton Athletic in the 70s (laughs) um what else works Jackie when you're motivating and incentivizing people and and Getting them on track with this, what else helps getting people online? Um, well, yes, I mean it is what they're interested in, isn't it? Um, you know, we've got Bob. Bob's ninety-four, okay. and um, his wife was the one who did the technical things. Yeah, and she passed away. So then he didn't wouldn't do anything online because mm. he was too afraid. Mm. And then Madwin, one of our DCs. Um, Digital champions. champions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he had a, he spoke to him and asked him, you know, what what interests does he have? And apparently, he's an opera fan. And um, so, Medwin helped him find a recording of Cavalleria Rusticana by Pietro Mascani, which is one of Bob's favourites. And um, he was absolutely delighted. And since then, he's progressed. And, and doing more things online. That's lovely. That's it. I think it's a sense of, of achievement. Like I say, once, you st- once people can find their way around and they feel a bit more confident, then it's, it's more room for them to, to do more. And that can certainly drive people to, to keep going. And I think um, um, there's this skills gaps everywhere. I know that we tend to be talking a lot more about older people, mm. um, but we do know that uh, amongst, you know, younger generation which are classed as these digital natives 
Um, again, trying to ask them to um, you know, fill in a form on a smartphone, they can come up against some problems there or do a CV and things like that, whereas they might be whizzes on you know, Instagram and taking selfies and things like that. So there's, there's skills gaps everywhere, I think, as well. So, yeah. It's nice to know it's not just older people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things that motivates people as well is um, friends and family, yeah. if they've got friends and family abroad. Um, and they want to get connected with them. So that's a big motivator. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, well, it was Skype in the earlier days, wasn't it? it and now was. it's going to be Zoom that helps Absolutely. helps you to feel that yes. connection with yeah. people on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and WhatsApp. No Facebook, what, yeah. Messenger. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can see that's going to be yeah. a very big driver to get people... Otherwise, sceptical people online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of things as well, like um, when people get into managing their health online. So, you know, the, your, your Fitbits and all of this uh, technology and even things about, you know, um, measuring your blood pressure online and all of those kind of things as well. I think that can be a real motivator for people, you know. Yeah, because everything is, becomes more more accessible. But I can understand why... Okay, in all of the steps of the things you might be happy to do online, it's following your interests, keeping mm-hmm. in touch with friends and family, maybe managing your health, but we haven't talked about financial management mm. yet. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe a bit more complex with, um, with, with issues of security and trust uh, on people's minds. And, and lots of people used to having a personal relationship. I mean, there's still an emphasis, Hannah, isn't there, on personal relationships in the world of financial uh, uh, planning and advice of course yeah you know I mean in the industry it's always a financial advisor is always going to want to sit in front of a client rather than do you know zoom or telephone just because you get so much more out of people when you're when you're able to see their responses and reactions mm-hmm. as you know in person and, and hear the tone of their voices but I suppose the problem is in terms of um say one one example that, that I know has, has certainly changed recently if you were to move house rather than saying to your financial advisor, you know, I've moved house, and then the financial advisor fills in a form, which then goes off to perhaps an admin centre who then changed the form on their records. The easiest thing is for a client to just... Easiest, I actually should say in inverted commas, is to fill it in themselves rather than passing the information through because, of course, you're allowing more people to touch it and therefore we're potentially more likely to get it incorrect and then the wrong address or contact details arrives. Mm -hmm. But if an individual can't fill that form out easily... That becomes a problem. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. So it's the right approach for the right situation. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about financial advisors and their clients, um, but actually, so much of the online world is about the online experience. Some of which is designed brilliantly and mm-hmm. seamlessly, and often, however, it's it's not, is it? And you can understand why if you're on a sort of convoluted online journey, if you're trying to do if you're trying to manage an investment or if you're trying to withdraw some of your pension fund, for example, these are not straightforward transactions. Um, and, and design, user experience is going to be really, really important, isn't it? So maybe so, yeah. if we do have any listeners in that world of UX, um, what are we saying to them? That you need to be involving people with low digital skills and yeah. people with accessibility needs right from the beginning when you start that process. Um, you know, it, it's it's too often it's just um, people's skill level is assumed. And as, as we're pointing out, you know, there's an awful lot of skills gaps there. So you really need to be involving those people from the beginning. 
Yeah. Yeah, um, and user testing, presumably. Yes, within the oh, process. Absolutely, yes. yeah, absolutely. And I think people who, in the IT industry, designers and developers, they're so used to using technology that they don't always... Mm-hmm. Um, they assume that, that, that people, that everybody can yeah. use a computer and, yeah. and go online, and, yeah. and they can't, so... Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, okay, okay. So, um, if you're not the designer, but... You're the financial advisor, which is, which is more likely amongst yeah. people listening. Um, yeah. How can you about, go about helping customers? We keep saying in all of our po- podcasts that financial advisors, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not counsellors. Of course. Uh, they're, yeah. not, they're not, in this case, uh, uh, IT support yes, or technical advisors. Yeah. So what, what can people do to, to help their, their clients? I think, um, you know, it's bringing it into the conversation in, in a subtle way. And, um, you know, Hannah, you touched on it earlier when you talked about advisors building those personal relationships with people. So part of people's interests and people's lives do come into that. And then it is broaching the conversation of, you know, trying to encourage people to do things online. It's about asking, you know, do you have a phone? Do you, do you have a, um, a, a laptop? And, yeah. and trying to, as I said, sort of bring it subtly into the conversation. And then those advisors can be getting a feel themselves for, yes, this person's quite digital or no, this person looks like we might have barriers and, and things like that. Um, and if they do have barriers, I mean, we certainly appreciate that financial advisors aren't, as you said, digital champions, although any financial advisors who would like to be, you know, there is there is training available for that. But it, it does take time to help people with these things. So there's other places that um, clients can be signposted to. And like I say, we have a free phone helpline that anyone can ring. Um, and depending on where the client lives, you know, there's your library, your local library yeah. is a good place to start. But, you know, whether you'll get somebody to go to a library is, is another uh, case in point. It's more about sort of bringing digital things into the conversation and, you know, showing them things on your own phone or, you know, showing them things yeah. of interest because, as we said, a lot of people don't know what's possible online. So, And, and we're making an assumption here that financial advisors are up to speed. <laughs> well, that's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there any gaps there? I don't know. I haven't really thought about this aspect of it. My financial advisor is hopeless with tech. I mean, I don't think he could barely use his phone. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant, by the way. In case he's listening, oops. Um, but um, but I guess seriously, it is a sort of quite old school type uh, uh, profession, I guess for some. Um, and, and But has the leap been made? Uh, would you say, Hannah, generally? I mean, I think you're right. You know, it is uh, quite an old school profession. Uh, I think some changes that have happened in the industry have probably been ran towards because of COVID rather than walked towards. But we are all hopefully aware, you know, in particular with the FCA guidance that was released at the beginning of this year, that that it isn't just, you know, clients in, in vulnerable circumstances. And what we're trying to look at is not just a, a, an individual, but circumstances in people's lives. And so that means financial advisors and, and staff as well in these companies. And I think hopefully some of the changes, you know, you can, it is always preferable to use online forms to not get things incorrect. But if a financial advisor themselves, as well as their clients struggling, then you can still use some paper forms, of course, yeah. while people get used to it. And let's not forget, this is an industry that is founded on relationships. Mm-hmm. And no matter how far we get and how advanced we get with tech, the value of those relationships will presumably always be at the center of the dynamic here. Um, 
Whereas in other areas, you know, a business just doesn't want to hear from you on the phone, right? And they'll do anything they can do to keep you online or, uh, you know, in whatever format that is, whether it's yeah, a, a yeah. chat bot or anything else. They'll do anything. I mean, they've maybe got two people in their call centre, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least in this area, uh, the value of the relationship stands firm, um, That's no right. matter what what the digital opportunities are. That's right. There are also a lot, there's a lot of um, studies to look at customer satisfaction. And actually, people do want that online option for convenience sometimes as well. So I think it's about a balance, it's like a balance, like most yeah. things. It is a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certainly here at Citizens Online, that's what we're saying to our clients as well, that we you know we're not here to say everybody must be online. We appreciate that some people don't want to, and that actually should be a valid, valid option, especially when yes. it's essential services like, you know, um, claiming you know benefits or or whatever it is, um, so so there absolutely needs to be an offline option. However, the more people that you can encourage to be online and and you know for the for the benefits for themselves, then you're going to have more time to to help the people who still you know need that um, offline option. And and like I say, it's important that it's a balance. I think. Yeah, and we've said it so many times, haven't we, on the other podcast. It comes down to that basic need of understanding the client, mm. listening to yeah. the client, what works for that particular client, and having empathy for their situation. Yeah, and absolutely. not just assuming they're an old laggard because they don't want to get online. There might be some very, very good reasons absolutely. for it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a really interesting discussion. Thank you so much, both of you. Helen, you've mentioned a couple of times the uh, Citizens Online helpline. So we'd better... Yes, We'd better absolutely. actually tell everybody what the number is. Yes, absolutely. So as I said, any UK adults can um, call the helpline, which is 0808 Okay, 0808-196-5883. Okay, we've definitely got that across. That number is there and available, and it is a good old-fashioned phone up and speak to somebody. Is there a menu of, you know, eight different options when you get through? And There's not. It's actually a voicemail. So you leave a voice message or oh, you can okay. text You can text us. Because, again, we appreciate that a lot of people don't like leaving voicemails, depending on who you are. Yeah. As well. yeah. So yeah. You can text us and then someone will get back to you. Excellent. So in, in terms of then, just I guess to clarify... If a financial advisor is asking a client to, say, fill in a particular form and the client's really struggling, do we need the client to get in contact with you direct or can the financial advisor do that for them? Um, either or, but we would need to speak to the client, obviously, to work with them. But, of course, this, the financial advisor can ring on their behalf if, they would, if they'd like. Yeah, that's yeah. no problem. Yeah. Perfect. Fabulous. Well, um, Helen, Jackie, thank you so much. And, and thanks thank also you. to thank your... You. Um, your 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 lived experts who you've been representing you know charles and bob and 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 the others um thanks for sharing their experiences thank um, you great to see you today thanks for the conversation thanks for having us thank, thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye. the content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only no action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned 
as a result of any such action or inaction.